Welcome to the Internet of Things podcast. This is your host, Stacey Higginbotham, and your co-host, Kevin Toffel. And this is episode 196. And for our post-holiday blues episode, we have a fun one for you. We are going to do all Q&A. This is where you guys are the show. And we are able to do this thanks to our generous sponsor of the IoT podcast listener hotline, Schlage. And you still have time to win a Schlage lock. Don't miss your chance to win the brand new Zigbee certified Amazon key version of the Schlage Connect Smart Deadbolt. You actually get to choose what you want, but you could choose the one that's compatible with the Amazon key program. You can upgrade your smart home with the safety, simplicity, and style of Schlage. So to make this possible, all you have to do is give us a call at 512-623-7424 and you will automatically be entered to win. You just have to do it before midnight, close of the year. Okay, Kevin, I love this episode because I always feel bad when we can't answer everybody's questions that we get. So I'm like, ooh, yay. We still can't answer I everyone's know. questions. But well, well, hopefully today we will provide some good A to the Q that people have called in on. There we go. We'll give it the college try. So first up, we have a message from Frank. Hey guys, this is Frank. Love the show. Thank you so much for all that you do for us IoT fans. I'm trying to find some way to use sensors or other IoT devices to trigger an announcement. It could be the weather, it could be that a door opened or closed or something, but it seems very complicated online to use my SmartThings setup to trigger an announcement of any kind and wondering if you have an easy way to do things. I also think that the new Amazon routines might shortcut this process quite a bit, but wanted your thoughts. Thank you so much. Bye. Oh, Frank, I am sad to tell you there is a little confusion about this. We couldn't figure out, well, my brain wanted to have like smart things talk to my connected speakers and make them say things to me. But I think what you actually want is smart speakers to have things trigger on those. And we actually talked about this about a month ago when we talked about an app called Notify Me. So there is that, and that is for the Amazon Echo devices. And the other option is in routines, there are actually a few devices that will be able to trigger a notification on your Amazon Echo devices. Right now, they're pretty limited. Ring is one of them. And so a motion detector on your Ring doorbell cam will actually trigger a notification on your Amazon Echo. The challenge is it doesn't actually say anything out loud. It just turns the light ring a yellowy color. And then you say, Madame, do I have notifications? And she will say, yes. Do you want to hear them? And you will say yes. And then she will tell you what happened. So it's not really a push situation, but that's probably less annoying for most cases. I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, it's not ideal. I certainly understand why it's been implemented that way. But I think Amazon and any other speaker maker should add an option to say, if I have a notification, just shout it out. Don't put that extra step in there. Unfortunately, that extra step is there right now. So yeah, I'd like to see like where you could opt into that. But I also see why it, you know, and you'd probably want to opt into it. And you'd probably only want to opt into it like during certain times of the day. 
Yeah, just like your phone notifications, which is how all of these devices send you notifications today, typically. So yeah, let's kind of replicate the notification controls that we have in these apps right on the speakers. Now, if you want to use your smart things to trigger announcements or things to happen on your speakers, right now you can't do it for your smart speakers, but you can do it for the Bose SoundTouch and various Samsung multi-room speakers. And in that case, what you can do is you connect those devices to smart things. And if a certain person enters the room or something happens, your speakers can play a noise. So that is not exactly what you're after, but it may get you partway there. So, Frank, I am sorry for the bad news on this. If anybody else has some ideas for Frank, boy, let us know. Okay, next up, we have a message from Dylan, also talking about smart speakers. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Stacey. This is Dylan from Houston, Texas. I love your podcast. I had a question about smart speakers. So, I'm building a new home and want to install smart speakers in the ceiling that are the kind that are flush with the ceiling. I've only been able to find one manufacturer that makes a CO2 and smoke detector compatible speaker. I'm just looking for something that's compatible with either Google or Amazon's assistant. I choose both and don't have any preference, but wanting to know your preferences or, or know if there's anything else out there on the market that is a ceiling smart speaker. So we have good news for Dylan because he's in an advantageous situation right now. If he's got a new home build, it's a lot easier to do speaker mounts for some of these smart speakers. And it's actually not too expensive. There is a company that makes a flush mount system for walls or ceilings for both or either, I guess I should say, the Echo Dot and the Google Home Mini. So the company or the brand is Mount Genie. I have not used these. I do not have a new home build, but I could add these with a drywall saw and a little bit of wiring. The more expensive ones, surprisingly, are for the Amazon Echo Dot. You get one for 20 bucks. A five pack, if you have a bunch of speakers mount, is 90 bucks. And for Google Home Minis, the company makes or sells one for $15 or five for $50. So if you have a choice, I'd probably go with the Google Home Mini devices and then use these speaker mounts because they're a lot cheaper. In any case, they come with everything you need. There's a template to cut into drywall. But of course, if you have a new home build, you really aren't cutting into existing drywall. You might be able to work around it. And they also come with wires that will connect for the power. I noticed one thing for the one that the Echo Dot uses, it comes with a 10-foot cord, whereas the one with the Google Home Mini, they only supply a six-foot cord. But again, new home build, you can probably have your electrician use whatever power wires he or she wants to use just to wire these up. So again, inexpensive. The sound might be a little muffled. They seem to have like a sound chamber to help with that because some of the speakers, the dots in particular, the sound comes from the base of the Echo Dot and that kind of gets covered up by this, so to speak. So probably another reason to consider the home mini ones, but that's just my opinion. So it's not too expensive. If you're a do-it-yourself kind of person and don't mind doing a little wiring, you should be able to do this. And if not, again, in a new home build, just ask your electrician to do it. Yeah, they love that. (laughs) They'll do that for you all day long. As long as you're paying, yes, they will. Well, yes, there is that. And just so you know, because usually speakers, when you put them in your ceiling, that's a low voltage thing. But if you're going to actually mount smart speakers, that will be a normal voltage thing, which may mean someone else can help do it, or it may mean different code requirements. It depends on your jurisdiction and your local building codes. Okay, let's take our next caller, which is from Kimberly. And she has a question about 
home kit and outdoor lighting? This is actually a fairly common question. Variations of this are a fairly common question. So I think many of you will find this valuable. Okay, let's hear from Kimberly. Hi, this is Kimberly from Florida. And my husband and I have a smart home. We have a Arlo camera system outside with Q motion sensor light, and we have HomeKit. And my question is, can we write an if statement? Is there a way to make it so that when the motion sensor light comes on, that after a period of time, it will go off? Right now, if we have a raccoon or other little visitor, the light goes on and it stays on until we manually shut the light off. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. So this one's actually pretty easy to resolve kind of through what I feel is like a hidden setting in the Philips Hue software, the mobile app. There is a way to create routines in the Philips Hue app. And one of those routines is actually a timer. And what you can do, Kimberly, is go right into the Hue routines tab in the app. You'll see a timers button. Tap that and it'll just say, hey, click the plus button to create your first timer. You can name it. Then you could then put in the time of the timer. Like how long do you want before something happens to your lights? So it could be one minute, it could be five, whatever you'd like. It could even be hours if you'd like. But I think for a light that came on due to motion sensor, you're probably looking, I don't know, five minutes or so. Then you just choose where this is going to run, meaning what scene or rooms. So I would probably put the lights in a room by themselves called outside, or maybe they're by the driveway, call it driveway, for example. Once you've said where, you can then choose what action to take. And when you see the actions, there's a bunch of different choices such as dim, nightlight mode, last on state, bright, but there's also an off option, which is what you want. So choose the off option, save it, and you should be all set. Therefore, when your Arlo camera detects motion and turns on your hue lights, that should trigger this hue routine for the timer, which would then shut the light off after the time you specified when you set it up. Just keep in mind that once you set this timer up, it's going to continuously run. So if you're using those lights for any other purpose, which I suspect you're not because you're using motion detection to fire them off, they're going to just keep shutting off every X number of minutes, however minutes you set. So that's something to consider. It's kind of like you may want to use these lights as a single purpose at this point, because if you're using them for like outdoor parties, well, the lights are going to shut off on everybody every five minutes. Which might we make, don't want you could make a really cool party game out of that. There you go. Everybody freeze when the lights go off and take a shot. No. Okay. I don't know what kind of parties you're having, Kimberly. Probably not those kind of parties. All right. Now I have disappointing news for Sherry. Uh, Sherry sent us a really great idea. And so we'll listen to that and we'll tell her what we found out. Hi, this is Sherry from North Carolina. Since Alexa knows who I am when I ask a question, can she automatically increase the volume when answering a question? I am curious to know because I'm hard of hearing. Thank you. Sherry... Like I said, this is disappointing. I actually reached out to Amazon and their Madam A group, and they said, oh, no, she can't do that. There's nothing in there that is even remotely able to do that. However, on the plus side, they said that sounds like a really good idea. And so they forwarded that onto their team. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe one day you'll get this feature. 
Yeah, I mean, it does sound like a good idea to have different levels of volume for different recognized voices. And I mean, they've got whisper mode, and obviously that's not going to help us here. In fact, that makes things worse. But you never know, they could take this as feedback and create custom volumes for different people. Which would be awesome. Although I will caution you that if it's always louder for you, that might be really bad depending on the certain times of day or what's happening. But I do like it. So good idea. Sherry, sorry that you had to have it before the Amazon people implemented it. You're getting all the bad news questions. I know. Okay. Well, we have kind of good news for Frank, who this is his second call, but poor man apparently has had his lights on for three weeks now, according to this message. By the time we've answered it, it's been probably a few months. But Frank has sensors on everything and wants to know how to take those off. So here's Frank's call in. Hi, guys. My name is Frank. Love the show very much. Very, very appreciative of your help. I'm a big fan of sensors and want sensors on everything I can think of within reason to turn things on. I guess I didn't feel like we've talked about it completely because my issues are how to turn things back off again, either based on an action, a sensor, or a period of time. So if you can run through that, that would be awesome. And if you could do it quickly, because my lights have been on now for three weeks with the sensors, and I don't know how to turn them off. Okay, bye. First off, Frank, I'm going to apologize for leaving you with your lights on for forever now. A long time. A really yeah. long time. Um, you may have solved this, but this is actually something that I was puzzled by until I realized the solution. And it's such a silly solution. I felt kind of like an idiot, but it is also a pain. So I'm kind of like, really, is this the best way to do this? But it kind of is. And that is for every time that you have a, a light that goes on automatically, you have to set an automation to make it go off again. You can do it like we talked about with Kimberly, setting a timer. So if you have a light that, you know, is only going to be like motion activated or activated that way, then, you know, doing something like that might make sense. If you are probably more like oriented around time, like bedtime, then you probably need to set up another timer for after this time of night, turn this off. So that is unfortunately how that's going to have to work. And yeah, with sensors, it is tricky. I have one in my home office here, a motion sensor that after a certain hour of the day, if I walk in, obviously it sees me and it turns on the office lights. But if I don't do anything about it, those office lights will always stay on. Those lights are voice controlled. So I actually just when I leave the office, I tell Google Home in my case, shut these lights. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of other I mean, I talk to Madam A a lot to turn off my lights, so... But you have to do it once you're out of the sensor range, in a sense. You have to, like, leave the room almost and say it. That's the thing. Yeah. Or, now here's another option. Let's say it's all downstairs or something like that. You could program, like, a smart button and do the button to turn them off and just leave that button in whatever room you're not in. Yeah. Or a good night routine at the end of the day. Yeah. So there's lots mm -hmm. of ways to do it, but you actually have to program it. It's not going to happen yep. automatically. Nope. So... That is our good news, bad news. Hey, more opportunities to learn and enjoy home automation, Frank. Okay, here is another question about Madam A. Clearly, Amazon is doing really well in this world because we get a lot of questions about Madam A and not that many about Google. So here we go. This is from Chris, and he wants to know how to help make Madam A a little bit more convenient with his iPhone. Let's hear it. Hi, Kevin, Stacy. It's Chris from Wisconsin. Question. I have a Madam A and smart home devices. I've got routines morning and night, and they run based on command words. The only question that I would like to know if it's possible is 
we have iPhones in the house and wondering if when we give the command to Madame A to say goodnight, that it would put these phones in do not disturb mode. And in the morning when we wake up, they would come out. You could help me out, any? That would be great. Thanks. Bye. So, Chris, I am right there with you because I typically do use an iPhone. I am not a big user of HomeKit, but unfortunately for you and for me, there's really no way to do this, or at least not one that I have found after extensive searching and testing and creating all kinds of routines and such. The problem is Apple really locks down what has access to its phone's features. You can use Siri to set your phone to go into do not disturb mode, or you could program it by time. But outside of the Apple world, I have not found a way to do that. So, I mean, I've even looked at trying to use the HomeKit features in the Home software app to, when you shut a light that's HomeKit enabled, do something in the phone. But unfortunately, in the Home app, you can only control other HomeKit devices. And the iPhone is not a HomeKit device in that regard. So, There's just no easy way to do it with Madam A that I have found. So that means you need to either speak another command before it's time for bed, or you need to schedule it. Not great options, but those are the only two we have at this point. Bummer. I'm here. I am glad I don't have an iPhone. So that's pretty straightforward. Our next answer and question really is not as straightforward. So we're going to get in here. Jamie wants our opinion of the Home Assistant DIY project. And this is kind of like OpenHab or HomeBridge. It's another kind of, (laughs) you run it yourself on a Pi or some other computer in your house. And it's really powerful, but it is also maybe not the friendliest ecosystem for newbies. This particular person's question covers all of Home Assistant and specifically using it with wired alarm systems. So let's hear from Jamie. Hi, Stacey and Kevin. My name is Jamie Campbell, and I'd like to know what your opinion is of the Home Assistant, the open source DIY home automation project. Several episodes ago, Stacy mentioned the connected alarm panel, which sounds like the perfect solution for reusing all the wired burglar alarm sensors, which are already installed in our house, and allowing integration with modern home automation. The wired sensors are reliable, and of course, they don't require me to change any batteries. The connected panel works with the Home Assistant project, which sounds interesting. In your opinion, will the Home Assistant project be viable in the long run? Is it easy enough to use for the next owner of our house to consider it an asset? And how well does it integrate with other off-the-shelf sensors? Thanks a lot. Look forward to your answer. Bye. Okay, Jamie. Because you know what Home Assistant is, I'm going to assume that you're self-selecting into the type of people who are like, they don't see a board and go, ah, right away, what is that? They see it and they're like, yes, I can play and customize and do crazy things. If you are that person, Home Assistant is lovely. It actually has a much better interface. It still could be prettier, but it's much better than it used to be. And it has a large community of people who are putting things on the Home Assistant forums and boards that, you know, you can find all kinds of ways to control. For example, you talked about wired alarms. There are honestly dozens (laughs) you can actually connect and with lovely instructions if you are comfortable doing that. I'm going to go ahead and recommend the connected with a K alarm system because that's actually easy enough that I could do it. It was still a little intimidating, but it wasn't you know, I didn't have to have my own like relays and dry sensor socket whatevers and things that I barely comprehend what they are. 
this was a very simple process and lots of videos online to support me through it. And if you already have wired devices on a connected panel, there's a decent chance it may work with that depending on the brand. Yeah, they have tons. So that's part of it. And then the other thing is, I'm going to say Home Assistant, if you want to go that route, I wouldn't feel, if you're comfortable spending that time and effort, I would say go for it. It is a community. The people who are doing it are diehard fans of this stuff. I don't see it. Like it has a very robust community that is still contributing. It's not like I've seen it drop off. In fact, I've seen the community grow over time. So I will also drop a link into the show notes to a epic video. It's an hour long update published in November about how Home Assistant is doing and what's coming next that will help you. They have some big things planned. So if you're up for it, do it. And one of the other reasons to consider doing it, it's all local. There's no cloud involved. And a lot of people like that local ability to keep their data kind of within the home. Yeah, that is very true. I will say, since I'm in this mindset right now as someone who's selling their home, everything you do is not something you're going to be able to hand over to somebody later. So if you're going to move in a year, maybe don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) That's just where, again, that's where my headspace is at right now, you guys. I'm just like, oh, how am I going to document this stuff for people? Oh, I can't. This goes out. (laughs) All right, let's take a break for a message from our sponsor. This week's sponsor for the Q&A episode, again, you guys, is Schlage. They make connected locks that we just love. And if you guys want a chance to win your own Schlage lock, you can call us before December 31st at midnight. Yes, that's right. Right from your New Year's Eve party, you guys. Just call us at 512-623-7424 and you will be entered to win a Schlage lock. This is a really good lock. So by golly, start your new year off right with a smarter home. Thanks to Schlage. I may call in from our New Year's party. Yeah, Kevin, you're not eligible to win. No, no, I know, but I'm sure the message would be quite amusing. Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about that part of it. Please do call in. I would love to hear it and publish it on the show. (laughs) Okay, let's get back to it. Back to the grindstone, Kevin. We have got more questions to answer. This one, we get a variation of this every week, so... Let's do it. This one is from Brent with a question about Wi-Fi. Let's hear from Brent. Hi, this is Brent from Roy, Utah. I have a shop that I'm building at the back end of my property. It's not that far from the house, but I definitely will need to put in something to extend the Wi-Fi out there so I can monitor a 3D printer and a few other items like that. I know how to extend it, but I'm looking for options that might be a little bit more functional or maybe even cool. I know I've heard there's some smart speakers that maybe work as a Wi-Fi extender. I'm just looking for ideas like that. Let me know. Thanks. So this question is actually fairly easy because there are so many good options. I am kind of particular to using Google Wi-Fi, but there are other mesh options out there. Linksys has one. Linksys Yeah. Yeah. Orby, Plume. I mean, there's so many. Eero. But part of me says if you're building a shop out back, depending how far it is, I don't know. Stacey, do you think it makes sense to actually run a wired connection out there and then maybe extend it that way through? Yeah. I mean, okay. So this is me. I love wired. I literally have an ethernet port and sometimes two in every single room of my house, including my kitchen. So 
you're talking to a lady who's like, hey, can I run some conduit and flush some Cat6 cable, some Ethernet through here? If the answer is yes, then by God, that's what I'm going to do. So if you have that option, I'm all for that because then you could do cool stuff like have like 4K video out there that's going to be a little bit better. But, you know, maybe you don't need that yet. Again, if you're going to extend just Wi-Fi, really any mesh system is going to be good. Would you actually wait until like a new round of mesh routers comes out? Because Brent was saying, you know, do we know of anything coming down the pike that might be useful in terms of smart homes with Wi-Fi? And I know we've talked about some of the newer standards and such, but it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen anytime soon with those in terms of new products. No, because what you have to remember is even if your router is like the sickest, most awesome Wi-Fi 6 router out there, and now we're no longer calling it like AX, it's now 6. Even if you do that, you've got to remember that the other, the receiving point also has to be AX or Wi-Fi 6 compatible to get all of those advantages, right? So most phones right now, most especially all the connected gear that we're throwing at you, that's all like way old school. It's like Wi-Fi 4 or 3 even. So, you know, having the latest and greatest is really going to only affect you when they start seeing that in devices. So I think you're going to be fine for a while. I would agree. Okay, our next question is all about outdoors. We've got a couple outdoor questions coming our way. So let's get started first with Jay. Let's <laughs> hear from Jay. Maybe third time's a charm. Hello, Kevin and Stacy. This is Jay from Santa Clarita. Question is temperature sensors. I've got uh, keen home vents paired up with my Ecobee thermostat, and there's temperature sensors in each room, but they're indoor only, of course. And I'm looking for an outdoor temperature sensor. Don't want to go the route of a full-on weather station if necessary, you know, unless absolutely necessary. So wondering if you can make a recommendation. I also have the Hubitat IoT Hub, and I've got some smoke detectors and another temperature sensor or two paired up to that. So Wondering if you can recommend some sort of temperature sensor for outdoors that'll, you know, Zigbee or Z-Wave to hook up to the Hubitat. Thank you very much and a great show. Enjoy listening to it. Take care. Okay. Jay, I wanted to like give you a temp sensor because I assume you want your temp sensor to actually work with your smart home. So there are plenty of devices out there that you can like just look outside and you're like, oh, it's 42 degrees. What is really frustrating to me is a lot of connected devices like doorbells and even some outdoor cameras have temperature sensors in them, but they're not visible to you unless you're pulling up something like OpenHab or even Home Assistant. So I'm going to assume that you're a normal person who isn't going to do that, and you're going to need a dedicated outdoor temperature sensor. And for that, I am going to recommend the NetAtmo. They actually just got bought by Legrand. They have a NetAtmo weather station, and it is... Kind of expensive. It's usually on sale around the holidays, but this is what I've used in the past to know what the weather is outside. It is $180. You can also buy it with a rain gauge if you want, and then you can actually get it for like $200. And yeah, that's my big recommendation because you can actually pull that data in through other services like IFT and then tie that information to like your Hue lights or something like that. And if you don't want to buy anything new, because why not save money, right? You can always, speaking again of IFT, go use Weather Underground, see if anyone has like a weather station near you, and that might be close enough to work. And then you can basically just pull that data in through IFT. If Weather Underground says it's 42 degrees, do the following with my connected home stuff. And that's actually something that I've done in the past. I've turned my hue lights blue when it was below freezing outside. And 
you know, that was kind of a fun little thing I did when I was trying to get ready early in the morning with the dog. And now I just look at the, my Mattelman A device. You're using somebody else's weather station. What's next? Somebody else's Wi-Fi? <gasps> Never. <laughs> Never. Never. My neighbors have terrible Wi-Fi. Okay. So that they probably use yours. <laughs> no, no, they don't. I have a lovely. Oh, actually, they could because they have the guest password. Nuts. All right. Uh-huh. It's possible. That's my new excuse for any weird downloads that we see on my Wi-Fi from my IP address. Okay. Other outdoor sensor question. This one comes from Bruce. Let's hear it. Good morning, Kevin and Stacy. Bruce from Santa Fe. I live on a acre and a half lot in our driveway is about 300 feet long. I'd love to have some sort of a sensor that tells me when somebody has pulled into our driveway and sends me notification of some form. Is that something that can be done relatively easily and inexpensively? And oh, by the way, since I live in Santa Fe, where we get 330 days of sun every year, it'd be nice if this were set up on a solar recharging circuit. So look forward to your response. Okay, Bruce, I don't know how long your driveway is, which does change my recommendation just a little bit. But the bottom line is, if it's too far away, you can't use any of the popular things like Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or Zigbee or Z-Wave. So that throws you into this weird other category. So that's if your driveway is super long, you're going to be in the land of dedicated driveway sensors, which companies like Chamberlain, I found a company called Guardline that also makes a really well-reviewed system. These are going to use a different radio technology that can go farther. And Guardlines in particular, they have one that will go up to a quarter mile, and then they have one for a little bit closer. What they do is the sensor is battery-powered. When it's triggered, it'll send an alarm. It'll alert an alarm. And if that's good enough for you and the alarm can be back in your house, then that's great. If you wanted to actually do something like turn on your porch light, that's where things get complicated. So Guardline lets you tie into a 12-volt switch. So what you can do is you take the receiver, you take off the back, and you wire whatever switch you want to that device. And then when the sensor is triggered, and instead of like the alarm actually going off on the receiver, what it'll do is it will say, hey, something just happened. My state just changed. Now. To bring that back into your smart home, you're going to need some pretty heavy lifting. SmartThings is going to be your best platform for this because they have a dedicated community, so important, and there's plenty of discussion about Wi-Fi-based relays for 12-volt contact sensors. Yeah, those are all things you're going to want to Google. And so what you'll do is you'll take your 12-volt contact sensor that converts to Wi-Fi, you wire that to it. When its state changes, it's going to send a notification over Wi-Fi. Then you're going to have to program the SmartThings app that you want to use to actually do something with that. So that's a really long way of saying it's going to be kind of a pain in the butt. So this may not be the best option. The Guardline stuff is about 100 bucks. You can buy the Wi-Fi, the 12-volt to Wi-Fi stuff for between actually 10 and actually 5 and $20. The other option I want to give you, especially if you have Wi-Fi all the way out there, is kind of overkill, but it will work. Ring makes a camera called the Spotlight Cam. If you take the Ring Spotlight Cam and a solar panel, you can actually put that out there. If you have the Wi-Fi that can get that far out, 
then that will actually send you, that ties directly into all kinds of smart home systems and you can do that. So that though will cost you $229 for the camera and the solar panel, but it is a standalone thing. It is predicated though on you having Wi-Fi as far out as the edge of your driveway. And then you get both the camera and a motion sensor, which I know it feels like overkill, but really there are no outdoor capable Wi-Fi based sensors that we could find. If any of you out there have them, tell us. It also alleviates any wiring, which is a big, big plus, I think. Yes. Well, all of the solutions I told you were wireless. Well, oh, except for the, oh, I see the voltage stuff. I was thinking about like, none of these things have to be plugged in. But yes, that the wiring, the device, that's not hard wiring. You could totally do it. Okay. (laughs) Just don't lick it. 12 volts is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, could you lick it? I'm like, have you ever licked a nine volt battery? Oh, all the yeah, time, just, just for, fun. for funsies. Uh, my dad used to do that to me because he's he's a. Sometimes I let the dog lick it. He does not like. Oh, that. you were so mean! I would never let a dog lick it. Dogs are nice. Small children, eh, who cares? Okay. Norm's inquisitive. <laughs> Norm. Okay, I feel like we're done with outdoors. Let's go indoors to Echo Skills for middle schoolers. Ah, Dean has a great question, and we cannot wait to tell you what we think. So let's hear from Dean. Hi, Stacey and Kevin. I'm going to try this one more time. My name is Dean, and I'm a design robotics teacher, and I have some genius hour kids that just love to geek out, and we're talking about writing codes and so on. And one of them said, you know, can we write skills for an echo? Can we do something with IoT? And I was curious how to facilitate this question and see it from the perspective of middle schoolers because they are native to this technology. So any help would be great. I would appreciate that. Thanks in advance and totally love your show. So can I just say I love this question, Dean. I'm a big believer in STEM and younger people learning to code and tinker and make. So this is awesome. And you are in luck. If you have not seen it yet on the Amazon developer site for Madam A Skills, there is a kids section and we'll put a link in the show notes, although you could probably just Google Madam A Skills Kit for Kids, which is how I found this. And I spent like an hour just pouring through everything on here. So everything here is geared towards kids under the age of 13. And that's important because Amazon provides all the information you need to satisfy the privacy and compliance laws and the parental consent laws for kids, because that's obviously a part of this. Even if you're just doing this in a classroom, I think you probably should still want to follow those. There's also some amazing little, I don't want to say tips, not just tips, but some really cool tools you can use. Stacey, I don't know, have you heard of speech cons before? Speech cons? C-O-N? Yeah. No. C-O-N. I have not. So... I'm going to play one or two of them right now. Speech cons are little interjections that you can have Madam A read any word as in a certain way. Let me give you an example. All righty. Aloha. Auga. So it's an interjection. It's kind of got a little more personality than the same old, same old. And I think kids would just love to use these speech cons. So I'm like, I want them, Kevin. Oh, there's hundreds of them. There's hundreds of them. And on top of all that, getting back to the heart of the question, there are kids skill tutorials and I followed through with one and I'm not going to lie, Dean, there's some work involved. I mean, Amazon has made this as easy as possible, but it's more than just like 
building, say, the voice interface and the responses, you have to go through after you've done that. Because, for example, they build a quiz game skill in their tutorial. I'm like, oh, this is easy. Well, once you get the first part done, then you have to go and build an Amazon AWS Lambda function and then link the user interface to that code. So I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying you may want to do the Lambda function for the kids, let them work on the user interface, you link the two, and then they can test it, customize it. And heck, if it's really awesome and they want to share it with other kids, you all can publish it to the Alexa Skills library. So another good reason to follow all those legalities and things in case you decide you want to publish it. So just hit this site, go through it. I don't think you need to be a heavy duty coder to get what you want done. And again, I think if you have the kids focused on the voice user interface, you can tell them how you're going to tie it together with AWS in the cloud, but you'll probably want to do that part yourself. Very cool. I kind of want to do this now too. I want it to say Auga all the time, actually. (laughs) I don't know why that's tickling me so much, but it really is. Auga. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Kevin. Bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) Sorry. There's just so many and you can just keep clicking on them. Oh, here's one of my favorites before we leave this one. Bazinga. 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 All right. Does Google have anything like this? I have not seen anything like this. I'm sure they have ways to modulate the voice, but I've not seen like a web page filled with hundreds of these that you can play back and then just, you know, listen to and say, ooh, that's the one I want to use. They do have John Legend, though. His voice. Jeepers, creepers. (laughs) They don't have that, though. (laughs) All right. Dean, hopefully this gets you started with projects for your kids for the new year. Okay, that concludes our Q&A episode. Hopefully you guys feel smarter, wiser, have more ideas for gadgets to buy or things to connect. And we want to thank our sponsor for this, Schlage, who makes smart locks for the connected home. Again, if you guys want to win a Schlage, give us a call at 512-623-7424. Leave us a question. We'll try to get to it. And Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful new year. What about you, Kevin? I hope you have a wonderful new year, too. I hope I do, too. Excellent. Oh, oh, wait. No, I hope everybody does, really. I was like, excellent. And this is why we never let Kevin say goodbye on the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Be safe, have fun, and thanks for listening. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, if you'd like more IoT news, sign up for my newsletter at stacyoniot.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you.